Welcome to the Witty Committee. My name's Claire. And I'm Courtney. And this week we're kicking off season four with Private by Kate Bryan. Woohoo! Super exciting. We're already on season four. We're almost at one year since we started the Witty Committee, which is wild, but also exciting. Uh, we are doing private upon request, but also it was always on our list, but it's a request from our podcast friends um, at read it next or read it next. I always mess it up in my head and say it wrong. Um, but before we get into it, we're going to start as we normally do, where I ask Courtney what she's been doing either in her off time or reading, watching, consuming outside of the podcast. Yeah. So last night I finished Destination Wedding by Diksha Basu. <gasps> I feel like I've read that one. What's it about? It's about a destination wedding. Mm-hmm. I would find it surprising <laughs> if you had read it because it's not typically what you indulge in, but it's um, likened to a crazy rich Asians. Oh, I think I it's I think I have read it. I don't know. I read a lot of everything. Is it kind of like fluffy, like? chiclet stuff i read that stuff too it's very fluffy okay well i read that too i just read majority other stuff let me see if it's in my list but that's so fun did you enjoy it um i would (laughs) i'll take that as a no (laughs) i gave it two stars oh oh ooh. okay i see it i haven't read it for me was i wanted to say it's a poor man's crazy rich asians but i felt like that would be condescending oh fair or maybe not condescending, but definitely like oxymoronic. Poor right? man. Right? A poor man. <laughs> but fun. Uh, hey, you know, you finished it, which, you know, gold star for that. Um, I, on the other hand, finally caved and started watching Bridgerton, which I, for the last year, have been like a huge snob. Like, you know, I like like British period drama to begin with. Uh, like, I love Downton Abbey and I... David and I watched a bunch last year of like more traditional like BBC produced ones. So last year when Bridgerton came out and everyone started getting super obsessed with Bridgerton, I was like, it's not going to, you know, I'm not going to like it. It's not like other things. It's Shondaland, like whatever. I'm not going to watch it. And then I caved and I started watching it. And of course, it's super addictive and really good. Um, The one thing that does bug me and that I knew was going to bug me is that the violin string, like the string quartet renditions of pop songs in the context of a period drama really throw me off. Like Shawn Mendes is in my blood as like the background for like a intense like romantic scene. Like just your face says it all. Yes, it's hard to not get caught up in that. But that's my personal opinion. So obviously doesn't matter for everyone um but i'm enjoying it uh almost as much as i enjoyed rereading private i actually think i reread private last year once we finished with the click books because i was like oh i remember this series i think i did it on my own because i already had it on my kindle which means that it was like a recent read so you enjoyed this book that's interesting hmm um that's different well you said that's almost as much said. as i enjoyed reading private which and is you said this, that you enjoyed bridgerton so almost as much as you enjoyed something that you already said you enjoyed implies that fair you enjoyed it. fair what i meant more was and in the same way that i reluctantly started watching bridgerton is that it's like kind of like it, obviously it's like a guilty pleasure like it's these books it, it's kind of jarring because 
as we spoke a lot last season about the A-list books, it's like the fact that like Zoe Dean was not a bad writer. The plot lines just made no sense. And it was like kind of all, it, it was very like soap opera. But the writing itself was not poor the same way that Lisey Harrison or Cecily von Ziegzer was. Um, unfortunately, we have gone back to uh, the writing is not stellar. Uh, and the plot's also incredibly difficult to follow. <laughs> but um, definitely still a guilty pleasure, wouldn't you say? Uh, gosh, I don't know if I would say that this one is a guilty pleasure because I think Was that the things pleasurable? that make, Well, no, I just think that the things that I find to be guilty pleasures about Gossip Girl, about the clickbooks, yeah. for example, are things that I found a little bit lacking in this book. Like, we, I know we talked a lot about how the stakes in Gossip Girl were higher than they were in, like, the click or whatever, but they weren't as high as they were in the TV show. The conflict wasn't Mm -hmm. as much as it Mm -hmm. was in the TV show. This book, I felt like, had more of the stakes and more of the conflict, but none of the fluffy pieces that made it a guilty pleasure. Totally. Yeah. So, like, you know, we're not waxing poetic about the kind of perfume that anyone wears or, I, you know, the fashion moments are definitely going to be, I think, maybe a little far in between in this book, but we'll see. Maybe not. You know, there were some good fashion moments, but we'll see when we get to the end. Uh, I agree with you. I think that it definitely was a lot more intense than any of the other books that we've read. And also, uh, this one's from a first-person perspective, uh, and we haven't had a first-person perspective book, really. We've had sort of kind of – I guess not really, yeah. So that was – also interesting but um just to kick us off we are reading private by kate bryan um and private circles around it's kind of centers around one main character which again is something that we haven't necessarily done in the past three seasons before now um it's been one of the you know every book up until now has kind of cycled around from character to character uh but this book we're following reed brennan she is from Croton, Pennsylvania, and she, which is the way that she describes it, it's just, you've got to sit in your 10 level, ten by 10 bedroom in your boring split little ha- level house. Um, it's like boring, middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. She is incredibly unhappy about it, but she has found her escape. And this is where I think things are going to re- get really interesting by, she's been accepted to Easton Academy. Easton Academy is in Easton, Connecticut. It is the idyllic, like, New England boarding school situation. And why I think this is going to be so interesting is that, in case people weren't aware, Courtney is from a, well, she grew up in a town that had, like, the idyllic New England country, uh, like, uh, boarding school. And your brother and your dad both went there, right? Uh, yeah, I would say that I grew up with a lot of this environment in the background. So this felt very familiar to me. And I'm going to be really interested in hearing kind of like your point of view from the comparison from Easton to like, I guess, Avon and like that situation, because I want to like, you know, this was all this, this kind of book was the only kind of exposure to like this and, you know, like, uh, Dead Poet Society and like kind of all of those like fantasy versions of like New England boarding school. That was like all I really knew about it growing up in the South. And so I'm intrigued to hear kind of like your commentary on it. Um, 
But do you want to start us out with like Reed showing up for her soft, I think sophomore year? Yes, she's a sophomore. Yeah, so she has applied and gotten into with a scholarship for lacrosse and soccer to Easton Academy for her sophomore year. She applied because her older brother's ex-girlfriend had also gone to Easton for her sophomore year. I found that the very first thing off the bat, the fact that this girl got a scholarship for athletics in high school to be questionable because that's not the case for as far as I know, any private schools in Connecticut, like that's not something that happens. Um, and so I found that to be questionable. But I think the, it's definitely like helps your application to be involved in things, like bring a lot to the table for the sure, school. Sure, the way it does but to any school, yeah. but not unlike mm-hmm. how um, Ivy League schools can't give you a scholarship for athletics the same way that um, high school, like boarding schools, in as far as I know, in New England can't or won't at least. And so I found that to be interesting, but the idea of like this girl having this opportunity, really wanting to go for it, seeing this as an opportunity to like get out of her hometown, but then also feeling that little bit of reluctance of like, I don't know if I'm ready yet. I don't know if I want to get out of the car. If my dad tells me not to get out of the car, like I will be so disappointed, but I will also understand. I felt that that was very true. And I mean, like we both like left home to go to college too. So I'm sure you can see a lot of that relatability boarding school to college too. Of course. Also, I would think a a big thing that I guess that Kate Bryan, the author does that I, I enjoyed or maybe not enjoyed, but at least appreciated was I felt like this was a very, this was our first very, very real accurate depiction of insecurities in a high schooler because the way that Reed kind of talks about her insecurities with and like trivial ones not the big ones because obviously obviously we'll get to those but like the trivial ones like how you know she really wanted to say like dad stop like don't embarrass me things but she knew instead that she was gonna like be really upset when he was gone so she had to cherish her last time with him and like kind of the way that she spoke to herself felt very honest and real and accurate for what a high schooler would think and like you know probably a little bit more self-aware than I was but definitely that like I'm so ready for you to leave. And also the second you leave, I'm going to be incredibly homesick and sad. Did you find that the way that Reed was depicted with this, like, I am going to be a new person. I'm going to reinvent myself. Like I very reminiscent of Anna. That is 100%. That, no, but, but, but I feel like this is, Reed, this is honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if like when I read this book, I was a, so because I switched high schools halfway through and I switched for my junior year. And I definitely went into this with like the, I'm going to be a cool kid my second two years of high school and I'm going to reinvent myself. And I definitely had very much the same feeling as Reed, but I feel like Reed and Anna are different because Anna went into it with like, I'm going to be a whole new person and treat myself entirely differently. And Reed went into it with a, I'm going to take full advantage of all of the opportunities the school's offering me to like become a, like there's a little bit more social climbing with Reed than there is with Anna. And also Reed is very much expressly uh like a not like other girls girl because she says in like the very beginning that she's only ever gotten along with guys oh my god it was the biggest eye roll that i had ever experienced like i know that i bagged a lot on anna but at least anna had interests and passions and things that she cared about even if she was kind of snobbish she wasn't mean like she just outright was not a mean girl and she had things that she was interested in even if they were pretentious name three things that reed is interested in um, well, she disparages 
Do you want me to read? Can I read like the little snippet of what she talks about girls in her hometown are like? Oh, absolutely. Because I find it absolutely frustrating as soon as she turns around and then chooses not to go and like hang out with any of these girls. And then she was like, why can't I have girlfriends? Exactly. So she says that, that she stared at the girls at Easton, wondering if by tomorrow she would know them, wondering if any of them would be her friends. She had never had many girlfriends or any actually. She was a loner by necessity, keeping people away from her house and her mother and therefore herself. Plus, there was the fact that I was that she wasn't interested in the things most most girls seem to be interested in: clothes and gossip and Us Weekly. Like, ugh. okay, Reed, what are you interested in? Uh, boys, just uh, boys. That's really it. That's really boys, it. Boys, soccer, and lacrosse. And but, what but I find- are, can we even say she's interested in the sports, or is she just doing them as a necessity? Because she doesn't like express joy at it. Really, I don't know as far as that, but I know that like part of what made me so frustrated is that like. She makes this sort of actually gave me like Claire Lyons meeting up with Lane Abley for the first couple of clickbooks situation where like her the first person who she meets at Easton Academy is her roommate Constance. And mm-hmm. Constance is very bubbly, she's sort of shallow, she's sort of like name droppy. She is also a new girl as a sophomore, so they're sort of like in a very similar situation. They're just from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And Reed's immediate issue with her is that she's not like having a two-way conversation. She's just talking, talking, talking about herself. And I'm like, but two pages ago, Reed, you said that your issue with all girls is that you didn't want them to ask too many questions about you because then they would know about your messed up mom. So which is it? I Yeah. And, and the thing is, is Constance goes out of her way to be very nice to Reed. And Reed's actually like, okay, Constance growing is, is growing on me, and then she isn't, and then she's annoying, and then she's not. But Reed has been prepped on her first day by a meeting with her advisor, Mrs. Naylor, or Miss Naylor, who is basically telling her that there's no reason she should have been admitted. Uh, she doesn't belong there. She's not going to do well in classes, and like if she, if her grades fall below, I don't I don't know what it, like. If her grades slip at all, they're going to just send her home, which like an advisor's job is is usually to help you along. But like, okay, so she's basically had the fire lit under her being like, hey, you got to prove yourself to be here, which she knew already. But she's met a couple of people on her first kind of like day slash night on campus. She's met Constance, her roommate. She has met um, a couple of her her hallmates, including Missy who is kind of like the brat of the group. And she is a legacy and she has like a pug nose and big boobs and which Reed talks about disparagingly the whole time. Yeah. So not only is Reed like trying to be intellectually superior to all these girls, despite the fact that she immediately beefs it on her first day of classes. So she's like, I'm smarter than everyone else. Everyone else is stupid and shallow. And then she just fails. But then she's also like weirdly... I don't want to say, like, fat-phobic, but, like, yeah, she has some sort of, like, skinny privilege situation going on where as soon as she meets people, they're like, oh, you're one of those girls who, like, is so beautiful but doesn't even know it. And she's like, you think I'm beautiful? Um, And so she immediately takes a distaste to Missy. And to be fair, Missy is a snob, but Missy also, like, knows things about this school that Reed then takes advantage of. She gets some inside scoop about the people who she really wants to hang out with who are the girls who live in the dorm building across the way from her. Yes. So Reed lives in the sophomore dorm. I don't, I already don't remember the name, but basically the upperclassmen dorm for, for girls is 
we have a couple options, but the one you want to get into is the Billings House. Billings House, you have to be invited to join. It felt a lot like a sorority, which I think it kind of is, but for high schoolers. And on her first night there, Reed kind of, she's already othered herself from the girls on her floor. Um, She's sitting alone in her room because she's feeling really overwhelmed. And she looks out her window and she sees this girl who looks kind of like ethereal fairy girl sitting in a bay window across the like quad from her reading a book. And then while she's reading the book, this like other girl comes up to her and like pulls her out of the window. And then there's two other girls in the room and they're all just these like really beautiful girls and they're drinking wine and dancing around and reads like, oh my God, what is this? I want whatever that is. And so she like goes ahead and says like, is like watching them. And then what ends up happening is the one girl who pulled the original girl out of the window has like long, dark hair. Um, I imagine they say tan, they say tan skin, but I don't know if that's like person of color. Again, we have a dubious number of people of color. And by that, I mean, possibly none, maybe one. Um, but basically the main characters in this group of four girls are this girl with dark hair, and and the ethereal girl in the window and the girl with dark hair catches reed looking at them and then like pulls the window shut and basically it reads like oh my god i need to know more about that so she learns all about billing's house from missy and she's pretty much instantly captivated and she learns who these girls are and the girls in billing's house the billings girls is what she calls them in her head are and what other people call them out loud are Noelle Lang. I'm gonna, that's the first, and then Ariana, or yeah, Ariana, I highlighted everything. Sorry, I wanna get their last names, but we could just do first names. What do you think? I don't care. Okay, so we've got Noelle Lang. She's like the leader of the group. She's the dark haired girl. She's the tallest. She's apparently like already shortlisted for every single Ivy League school. She has the hottest boyfriend on campus. His name is Dash McCafferty, which is like the most annoying name ever. Um, and then her best friend is Ariana. Ariana is from the South, which people forgive her for because her dad apparently owns all of the oil in the South. So it like makes up for her being from the South, which is like, uh, that's annoying, but whatever. Um, she is like a published author in The New Yorker and she's like a very talented poet. And then the other two girls in the group, right? Right? Or like mystery craze, honestly, with the looks too. Um, But the other two girls are Taylor. And Taylor is shorter and like, I don't know, re-describes her as being like more full figure than the rest of them, which again, doesn't matter. But Taylor is like the smartest girl in the school, apparently. So Taylor has finished all of her coursework for the year and all of Noelle's as well. She like is in incredibly intelligent and like obviously like a wonderkin and then the last is kieran which i read as kieran you said your audiobook read it to you as quran like like the quran yeah um so i did this is something that i wanted to make sure that i touched upon i had to listen to this via audiobook which is not typically the way that i consume um book material and not only was Kieran's name pronounced Quran, but the narrator for all of her worth was reading all of the different characters' voices to be distinct, which I think is probably the way that you do audiobooks. Again, I'm not a, a big 
proponent of uh-huh. audiobooks personally. It's not the way that I like to read. So I'm not super familiar if this is the way that it's typically done. But like Thomas had his own voice. Noelle had her own voice. Ariana had her own voice. And it was just, it got to the point where like once we meet Thomas, and I'm sure that you will feel this way, if you were to read mm-hmm. it in the audiobook version, you'd be like, is he a vampire? Is this a vampire <laughs> book? Is he going to be a sexy vampire? Because that is how the narrator chose to portray his voice. I would say that that feels, uh, that could, it kind of tracks with the intensity level. It was just so I don't much. know. I'm sure. So last character in the Billings Girls is Kieran. She is a gorgeous model who laughs all the time at everything. Yeah, she's an and, Abercrombie and Fitch model in case you are yes. like trying to figure, figure out where this book is timeline-wise in America. That is the pinnacle of being a model. Exactly. And and whenever Reed talks about like what the girls have in terms of clothes, she's like, they have all these like sweaters and skirts and like low-rise jeans and stuff. And I, do, I don't know what that's like. But basically... These, these girls are the aspirational group of the school. They are the uh, pretty committee of Easton Academy. They are the girls you want to be. So Reed immediately is like, how do I become friends with those girls? I don't care about any of these girls in my grade, obviously. I want to be friends with those girls. And that was very confusing to me because her whole reason for wanting to go to Easton Academy was because she wanted the opportunity to like get out of her hometown. She's like, if I go to Easton, then like the whole world opens up to me. And she knows this based on the fact that her brother's ex-girlfriend has gone there. And we don't know that her brother's ex-girlfriend was a Billings girl. I think that maybe she would have like a bit more familiarity with the concept of the Billings girls if she had been. So I assume that she wasn't, but it's not implied that you need to be a Billings girl in order to do well at Easton. It's just that things are easier if you are. Like, you mm-hmm. will get good grades even if your grades weren't that great before. It's all the members of, like, the captains of the sports teams and the presidents of every club, etc. And, like, it's more of, like, uh, once you graduate from Easton, people are like, oh, you are a Billings girl. That still carries a lot of clout. But it's not implied that she needs to be a Billings girl in order to succeed. But the way that she talks about it, you would think that Easton is basically- It's all or nothing. Yeah, it's all or nothing. Like Easton is basically going back to her regular high school unless she's a Billings girl. And it there's nothing that backs that up in the text. Yeah, I think that part of it might just be, and, and, and what I think is that we are supposed to be led to believe that Reed is just a very ambitious per- person. But there are so many things that counter that. So earlier, Courtney mentioned that on her first day of school- Reed kind of like messes up. She's like, isn't measuring, like, isn't able to like be up to snuff. She goes and sits in her history class, in her American history class, and the the teacher kind of does a pop quiz. He's like pretty well known for being a bit of a hard ass around campus, but you know, still like all schools have that. And he does a pop quiz where he like basically does Socratic method and just like goes down the the name list and is like, hey, answer this question. And he asks her how many terms did uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt serve? And she said four. And he said, no, that's incorrect. It was three. And then she said, that was a trick question. And she like challenged him, which I'm like, when do you ever, what, the gall of that? I could never. I would have been like, uh, I don't know. But basically he was like, I, I asked full terms. He only served three full terms. Like basically she gets into a tuffle about that and then proceeds to miss every other question he asks her. 
And the rest of her classes kind of go the same way. And basically they had told her like, hey, this is a really increased course load from a public school curriculum, which a lot of times like prep schools are. And she was basically like, I was a straight A student. I don't know why I would have to worry about it. And it's like, well, maybe because like doing this, you're going to have to put a little bit more effort in. And then she could read all he gives her extra reading and she makes some effort to do her extra reading uh but not nearly enough because she is pretty quickly upon her arrival on campus and this felt accurate to me in terms of like young relationships uh she is pretty much almost instantaneously enveloped into a very intense romantic relationship yeah and i think this is one of those things where so it's not that reed has never had a boyfriend before because she was dating uh one of her older brother's friends back when she lived in pennsylvania but i think that part of it is like you're in a new environment and you're also like isolated away from the people who you've known and also you're isolated away from your parents and so it's one of those like the mice or the cats away the mice will play type things where Mm -hmm. you can definitely get the understanding that like and this was the same way like i said in college is that these are teenagers who are away from a lot of adult supervision and then are like, oh, okay, the only people I have around me are just like all these incredible people. Other teenagers, yeah. And I'm going to glom onto these people. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's true of college, that's true of boarding school. Um, and I think that that is something that happens pretty quickly to read. She gets very wrapped up in this guy, Thomas, and he gives her a he- subway token that yes, she is like as, very into it he's like oh it's from before they had metro cards for the subway in new york city and she's like what's a metro card and i was like i thought you said you were smart you can't use context well, clues to figure out what a metro card might be <laughs> apparently not but um I, I think that this is we didn't have one last book but unless we count ben burnbaum but this might be our third example of a snow white boy um if you guys don't remember in the click books cam claire's boyfriend is described as looking like snow white he has very pale skin dark 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 hair and then he has one blue eye but one green eye but anyway he like looks like snow white and then they talk about in the gossip girl books i can't remember who it was but there was another guy who was like described as being like pale with really dark hair and then thomas is that same kind of archetype it to me it just felt like an emo kid like the emo idea of what a hot boy in high school would look like um, he's got like dark hair falling over his forehead with his deep blue eyes, like very much like picturesque, hot teenage boy, whatever. Um, and Thomas is very much invested in Reed very early on. <laughs> so at the first school dance, which she, she goes to, even though she knows that the Billings girls aren't going to go because why would they go to a school dance? They're juniors and they're juniors and seniors and way too cool for that. But she goes anyway, just on the off chance that she's going to run into Thomas. And lo and behold, he's there. And what does he do but drag her out as the only person on the dance floor and then kisses her in the center of the dance floor with teachers watching. Uh, This is another thing where I don't take issue with that. I take issue with the fact that the next morning at breakfast, Reed uh, is confronted by the Billings girls about this. And they're like, we heard that you and Thomas made out at the dance. And she's like, how did you find out about that? And I'm like, uh, how did you they did find and- out about the fact that you two kissed at a public dance at your private school, your boarding school that you all go to? Huh, I wonder. 
But again, Reed also tries so, to be like, I'm so smart. And I'm like, you're the dumbest girl I've ever met. She just gets led along. And the thing is, is the Billings girls know that. Billings girls have pretty much, they caught her looking in their window. Um, Noelle, the leader, calls her glass liquor. Reed calls Reed glass liquor. And Ariana is basically co-opted Reed. And they've decided that Reed's going to be their bitch girl, basically. And what does Reed do? But she is like, fine, okay, if that's what I have to do to get in with these girls, I'll be the bitch girl. And I'm just like, really? How is that going to turn out well for you? Tell me. She goes and fetches their food so that she can sit with them at lunches. They basically tell her, like, Thomas is bad news. She kind of ignores them. Actually, she does ignore them. But she's like, whatever I'll do, whatever I can do to stay with the Billings girls. And it's convenient because Thomas, Thomas is friend is Dash McCafferty, which is Noelle's boyfriend. So like they're kind of all in the same circle now. Um, but a lot of her time is now, instead of studying, her time is now taken up with like making out with Thomas, uh, playing soccer, which they do in the fall, which they didn't. Soccer's a spring sport in the South. So that's always been weird to me. Um, soccer, but- as far as I know, is a fall sport at least in pennsylvania and in dc where we went to college and in connecticut where this book is set slash where i live well anyway so georgia might be different but anyway basically reed is not using her time for studying and is it's not going well yeah so her grades continue to slip but as a sort of chit for being the bitch girl um Noelle agrees to let Taylor tutor Reed in her various classes because Taylor is a genius and she can help out a little bit. And so Reed starts to like pick back up on this, but as a way to pay them back, she needs to go through more and more um, like sort of airing things like breaking into the faculty offices to steal a test for Ariana that it turns out they didn't actually need. They're just hazing her. And I had a question about this whole hazing process. So we know that there are other girls who live in Billings House who aren't just these four women. We know that like there are, you know, other people who Reed has determined are not important enough to be named. But you don't see any of the other sophomore girls running these little errands or like sitting with the Billings girls at lunch or whatever. Which implies that Reed is the only one who's being like tested this way and the only one who's getting in on account of like her willingness to put up with BS. And I found that very interesting. I did too, because I feel like it implies there's inherent bias for the other women that the, that already exist. So like Missy, this girl we know about, she says that her mom and her sisters were all in Billings, so there's no way she wouldn't be in Billings, which like when you are part of an organization or a system that does rely on legacy like that, it's likely that she's right. Like there is a good chance that legacy is going to imply, like really apply for that kind of situation. So yes, like, the idea would be that Missy wouldn't have to do all these things. But, like, is Reed having to do all these things because of her, like, extreme otherness from the rest of the girls? Is that what, like, the idea is trying to be? Is they trying to really show how different she is by making her go above and beyond to prove that she could fit in? Because I think that that could be part of it. Like, when you're thinking of, I mean, obviously, I don't think realistically any of that would happen. But I think that in terms of, like, a plot device to show that extreme difference, that, I think it works in that sense, but I'm with you there. The things that they have her do are a little bit crazy, but one big thing that they do in addition to having Taylor help her, which they do after Miss Naylor has another meeting that's basically like, 
you're going to lose your scholarship if you keep doing so poorly, making only C's. And that's like, that felt very funny to me because like when I was at Colby, I, and I was forced to withdraw because of my poor grades, I made a singular D. I had a, like one bad grade uh, in a class and they were like, okay, you have to like, you have to withdraw. And I was like, that seemed unfair, Uh, which felt very similar to Easton. But basically, Miss Naylor not only comments on the fact that her grades are poor, but also the fact that she knows that she's been hooking up with Thomas. And Thomas also like very quickly says, I love you. This is the part that gets really weird and manipulative and made me really uncomfortable. Um, I don't know about you, but basically he really lays on the affection and like desperation it felt so scary to me how much he says he loves her and needs her and like he tells her all this stuff with his family about his parents being you know alcoholics and stuff and immediately latches onto her as kind of like a life preserver and she takes it the way i feel like any teenage girl who hadn't had a lot of attention before or a lot of affection would would take it in that like she sops it up immediately and then like he like they have sex and they've been dating for like not even like I feel what feels like a month probably ish like it's not even parents weekend yet and so the intensity of it was very scary uh yeah especially if you're like I don't know if it was maybe just the listening to it part but like hearing him say that he loves her hearing about him getting so upset about uh trap mccafferty or whatever his name is um, <laughs> yeah. again i am having a hard time tracking names because i didn't have like a page in front of me to okay, yeah. measure any of it but so uh noelle's boyfriend teases him about his parents being alcoholics so he bursts outside and punches a tree so hard that his <sighs> knuckles bleed um, he tells her he loves her. He says that she shouldn't hang out with any of the Billings girls and he, she should just hang out with him. So very isolationist. Um, he tells her that her parents should not come in for parents weekend and that she should just spend time with his parents. Um, he says like- Which works for her. Which, I mean, like she is sort of conflicted about, but she's also getting that same notion from Noelle. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like, we, we could just be the two of us together. We can just spend you don't all need of our them. time you together. Could, you, you don't need, need other people. Yes. It could just be me. And I need you. So it gets to the point where at one point, Reed goes to a party in the woods that has alcohol. And she and Thomas have been in a little bit of a fight. Because, because she... So so Reed's... Reed, the One of the big things in like their common ground is that Reed has parent issues too. Reed's mother is an addict she has troubles with it with prescription meds and she tells thomas this pretty early on when he tells her about his parents she is going to do something with taylor one day and she sees thomas who had lost his cell phone earlier that week but blamed it on the fact that he had a phone just for his parents because his parents demanded he had one Um, which again you know he's like i pay for this phone all by myself and read the pinnacle of logical thought is not like how does he pay for that Exactly. So Reed, but he's freaking out about this phone. And so Reed is like, they, she feels like they're on good standing, but she knows this about him. And they turn a corner and and she sees him dealing drugs, basically, to other students. And she loses it, as one would, really in general. I feel like if you saw your 
teenage boyfriend dealing drugs, heart, like heart pills, regardless, you'd be a little freaked out. But the fact that like this is her big thing because her mom abuses prescription drugs, it was like really, really bad for her. And so she's basically tried to break up with him. What did and you he think said, about? Like, we just need. Ta- what did you mm-hmm. think about Taylor's reaction to Reed seeing this though? To me, it felt like she staged it. Like Taylor knew that Thomas was bad news and like went that way because she knew it was going to happen because Taylor basically is like, oh, yeah, he like he deals to all the Billings girls. Yeah. So I I think that it's interesting that you say she thinks that Thomas is bad news because not unlike the way that we're seeing Thomas use these sort of like isolationist tactics of like love bombing and then sort of isolating for Reed on his side, I think that we're seeing a lot of similarities between that and with the way that like Noelle treats her, where yes. she's foisting a lot of attention on her, but then drawing it back and calling her glass licker. She's like, I also have a messed up family life. Let's make sure that your parents don't come for parents weekend. I'll sit here with this cell phone that I gave you and you can call your dad and tell him not to come. And I'll just sit there and make eyes at you the entire time. Like they tell her, don't hang out with Thomas. And then this just so happens to happen. But it's not that they have an issue with Thomas dealing drugs. It's that they want Reed to know that this is happening so that Reed will make that decision for herself. And then at this party, Reed decides to go because she has sort of had a little bit of a falling out also with the Billings girls where they have Mm -hmm. asked her to spike one of the professor's uh, drinks with Her history professor. Yeah. The mean one who she doesn't like, which valid. But they ask, they're like, hey, can you spike his thermos with this uh, because we don't like him and you don't like him. Don't you want him to get fired? And she was like, I can't do that to a man. So she says no. And then the next day, a Billings girl gets kicked out for cheating, which like at Easton, cheating is a big no-no. And so this Billings girl, her name was like Leanne. And Noelle did not like her, which we knew from, like, a side-off conversation earlier. And this girl gets kicked out. And Reed runs over and is like, what happened, you guys? Like, what's going on? And Natasha, Leanne's best friend, accuses Noelle of planting those uh, cheating sheets in in Leanne's uh, dorm. And Noelle's like, I don't know why you would say I would do that. But then Noelle and, like, basically tells all the other Billings girls to, like, ice out Reed, which they do. They're like, we're bored. And they, like, totally ice her out after this big campus-wide thing happened because everybody's watching this girl get kicked out and so i think that night was the night of the party and reed goes to this party to kind of because thomas has asked her to she's gonna go and like really like figure out how to move along with him because they've been on a bit of a break they've had a falling out she gets there and thomas is already belligerently drunk which unfortunate the billings girls are there She wants to talk to them. Thomas immediately comes over and is like, wait, no, no, no. I want to talk to you first. I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you now. Don't talk to the Billings girls. Oh, you're only here for them. You're not here for me. And like gets pretty violent. And Reed is like, okay, I'm going to go. And then he like she either she trips or he pushes her. I can't remember. It sounded like he pushed her and then he tried to say she tripped. It Overall, she falls on the ground, hits her knee hits her head on the ground and like almost passes out. And so Thomas is freaking out, but then so are the Billings girls. And the Billings girls are basically like, Thomas, leave her alone. We're going to take her back. And he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And basically then he runs off into the woods. They take her back and they're like, 
we're so sorry that happened. We'll protect you, but you can never talk to him again. And Reed's like, definitely, I'm never talking to him again. He has a problem with alcohol and I'm, I'm never talking to him again. And then what does she do the next day? So Thomas shows up in her dorm upstairs where he's not supposed to be at her door. And her roommate Constance is like, um, I'm going to leave before I get in trouble for whatever BS you're, you two are doing. And so he's like, I know that I have a problem with alcohol, but I can't go to rehab because my parents are going to think that I'm weak because they also have a problem with alcohol, but refuse to admit it. And they won't like pay for it. They won't accept it. So like, I need you to hold me accountable to not drinking. You're the only person I can trust. You're the only person who understands. I need you to help me through this. And Reed is 15 or 16 years old. And so understandably manipulated. Absolutely. And she says, okay, okay. I'm here for you through this. Yeah, which and is then crazy. It's bonkers. And then that's what prompts the Billings girls to like officially ice her out. Because and they like, see him leaving and they're like, oh, well, you must have talked to him and we told you not to. And she's like, I did talk to him. But also, I think that this is one of those things where like, yes, she did. But also they don't teach people how to deal with abusive relationships and substance abuse and things like that in high school the way that they teach you about I don't like, think they yeah the, the way that the history professor is like how many terms did this president serve yeah no I mean they don't there's but I also don't think that those are like abusive relationships aren't necessarily something you can teach even when someone's in one or I'd say especially when someone's in one but like they and at least this is give, like, like the signs of like if you are afraid that someone like has an issue with substance abuse if you are afraid that yes. someone is in an abusive relationship instead of like just focusing on the academics because especially when it comes to these like elite isolated institutions where these kids are not around like their parental figures, not saying that like all parents know things or that people who go to public schools versus boarding schools or whatever have like more or less parental involvement. But like, mm -hmm. if you are in a situation where you are being held to a more adult standard, but you are not an adult, then you are much more likely to not know how to handle that sort of situation. And this is something that I ran into a lot as a resident advisor, as a freshman orientation leader. Oh, like sure. that was something yeah. that we, we made sure to build into a lot of our curricula because that's not something that a lot of these literal children are taught about. Yeah. I also think with the advent of the Me Too movement, the idea around like uh, abusive relationships has changed and the conversation's definitely been a lot more open. Um, but it's this is very obvious that it is an abusive relationship and the girls just leave her. They're basically like, you made your choice, you chose Thomas. And so she's like, I guess I did choose Thomas, so I should get dressed for brunch with his parents now because that's what time it is and I need to go. And so she gets dressed and she walks over to Thomas's dorm and she sees his parents and is like, hi, I'm Reed Brennan. I'm Thomas's girlfriend. They, he, because he, like he has told her how excited they are to meet her. And she's like, I'm here to come to brunch with you guys. He said how, like, I'm so excited to meet you. And they go, who are you? Thomas has never told us anything about you. And she's like, what and basically they're like yeah and thomas like isn't around he hasn't shown up he's not here and she is basically like what do you mean how is he not here and they like try to find him can't find him she like goes back to her dorm room and she goes in her dorm room and her side of the room is bare and she's like oh my god what happened am i getting kicked out since this other girl got kicked out what is going on she gets a message that like basically is like come to billing's house and she goes into Billings' house 
and she and no everyone's there and they're basically like Reed Brennan you've been selected to join Billings House she's the only underclassman who is gonna join Billings House and that's where it ends there's like culty shit and like I don't know Courtney I don't know about you but a lot of the stuff felt similar to sorority ritual and I'm not gonna go into detail but like the like initiation situation um haha felt very familiar or like not in the scary way but like in the like uh ritual way kind of of it um I'll go to the end so I can kind of describe what happens because I feel like but it's a very abrupt ending and like that's where the story ends we don't know where Thomas goes we don't know why Reed was selected to go to Billings house when all the Billings girls supposedly like aren't her friends anymore um or why she would get chosen to be a Billings girl as a second month into her first semester sophomore year. Or her sophomore year. To, you're supposed to be invited in like at the end of your sophomore year for your junior year. So like she's so not like other girls. She's basically like the chosen one if the chosen one existed in a private school universe. Yeah, basically. That's what it felt like because so I'll read the Billings description because it makes sense. So 14 girls stood in the foyer forming a semicircle with Noel right at the center. With the curtains drawn, the room was cast in shadow. Candles flickered on the mantel and every other available surface. Each of the girls held a black candle before her with both hands. She paused near the door, uncertain. Was this some some kind of sacrificial ritual? Kill the new girl to expunge the shame she's brought upon them? Noelle stepped forward. She handed her an unlit candle, took her arm in her iron grip, and led her to the center of the room. The girls closed into a tight circle around her, the flickering light contorting their faces. Noelle took her hand that held the candle and forced her to hold it up. She tipped her candle towards hers and lit it. Her fingers shook as I, as she gripped the taper. My mouth, I'm just going to go back to first person. My mouth was gummy and sour. Noelle stepped back and faced me. Her eyes were as flat as weathered stone. What were they going to do to me? Why was I here? The women of Billings House receive you, Reed Brennan, into our circle. And then the ladies say, welcome Reed to our circle. And then Ariana says, or Noelle says, you're one of us now. And then all the candles go out. And that's the end of the first book, which is just like the drama is definitely there. It was, yeah, I mean, to your point about it being very much like a sorority experience, A, that's the way that they're trying to frame all of Billings House, so I get that. B, it, this, like specifically the passage where Reed is in the like opening ceremony of Easton, mm-hmm. their like very first mm, chapel yes. attendance that, yeah. where Reed is like, this is very formal, very ritualistic, but in a way where, like, I feel like I'm a part of a historical thing that other people have been a part of. It's very much in line with the way that I have felt about Greek life ritual, where I know a lot of people are like, this is boring, this is old, but, like, that's something that I have always felt really resonated with me. And I think it's probably true of a lot of the appeal of, like, private schools and Greek life together. I think ritual is incredibly important. I mean, if ritual wasn't integral to like society, then why is the Catholic Church still so strong? You know, like the like the idea of ritual is and like I think that people think of ritual as being inherent to kind of like organizations like uh, religion or, you know, scholarly organizations like schools and situations like that. But I also think ritual is something that takes place every day. And also like, if you want to think about like meditation as a form of ritual, like ritual is something that is kind of, it's really important to the human society. So like, I agree. I think that finding value and uh, 
importance in ritual is is totally valid and i think that's something that reed was definitely looking for and it's also a sign of belonging when you understand a ritual that's part of it as well and so i think that's why a lot of them happen in terms of welcoming um but i don't know about you but i'm very intrigued to see what happens uh why she was included into billing's house where is thomas What's the situation going on there? Um, will she be able to continue up her good grades? Because who knows about that? Is that going to be anything involved at all? Probably not. Um, but I don't know. I'm very intrigued uh, and interested to see what happens in the next. I don't think I ever remember. I bet I read the rest of them, but I don't remember anything that happened. Yeah, I, I know that I've read this one. I now know some other things about this series because like, as we were discussing different series to pursue, I was like, what happened? That sort of thing. So I don't want to spoil too much of it for myself. No! So I, didn't, like, I didn't like read the full okay. Wikipedia okay. or anything like that. But like, I was going to say, you don't have any tidbits about like ghostwriters or anything like you had for the last well, book? I do have some tidbits, but I, like I said, I didn't want to read too far into the Wikipedia page okay. and, and risk spoiling it for myself. And okay. so what I will say is that these are not ghost written. But there are upwards of 16 books within this private universe, if we're including oh some like prequels and spinoffs, etc. And there are two web series. Oh, goodness. Web series? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I guess we'll have to watch those. I was not aware of that. But yeah, I posted um, about it on the social media, too. I did see that things. photo and I had no clue what it was about. So um, Weird that I'm you didn't then ask me. I, there's a lot of things you say that I don't understand and I just go with it. <laughs> but uh, do you have any questions for me? I know you like to usually like pose some more intellectualized questions towards the end. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that this book, while convoluted and a little bit frustrating, was pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like it raised a lot of the, the questions it raised are ones we have rehashed over and over um, in terms of class and relationship and, you know, all that jazz. The we one question are... I will ask, actually, mm -hmm. that, yeah, no, two. Okay, two questions. Okay. A, Reed, as we mentioned, gets gifted a cell phone from Noelle. Uh -huh. That felt very much to me like Claire when she received her cell phone from yes. Alicia in the first uh -huh. book where it was sort of like, oh yeah, we'll let you like be in our clique. Oh wait, just kidding. This will come at a price. So that felt very true to me. Did you feel that that was similar? I feel the same way. It just felt like another form of manipulation. Absolutely. Because then it, all the texts that she received were like, you have two minutes to get hey, downstairs. Glass liquor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, Reed is gay. Discuss. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She literally asks Ariana what team she plays for. I, You know what? I think uh, I think Reed is, might not know yet, but I definitely think... doesn't know that she's gay, but she's absolutely 100%. Yeah, I, I'm with you because I think that like her general apathy towards losing her virginity and like being like, I'm just glad I got it over with, that feels like that tracks to me. So, yeah, we'll see. If Courtney and I are always team make main character gay. So, but like this, um, I felt the most strongly than I compared to any other instance of thinking. Blair? More so than Blair even. Okay, well. Maybe if you I, listen to I'm the audiobook, to see how this you would goes. get it more. But like the audiobook okay. is very gay. Okay, I'm, I guess I'll have to listen to the audiobook. I'm very intrigued by that. But um, that's pretty, you know, I, I 
let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes in the next book and, and so on and so forth. But um, I guess we should continue on. Do you have a fashion favorite from this book? I do. My fashion favorite was um, the pajamas that all of the Billings girls are wearing when um, they have that little first see from across the uh-huh. the way scene. Yes. Specifically what Noelle is wearing. So she wore a red silk robe over a tank top and boxers. And no, wait, this is, yeah, no, these are two different girls. So Kieran or Karan, depending on who you ask. Wore a red silk robe over a tank top and boxers and seemed to live to tease. And the dark-haired girl wore nothing but black underwear and a large silk nightshirt, undoubtedly made for a man with only the two center buttons done. I thought that that was cute. I like that. It felt like a thing that definitely was in in the early 2000s to just button, like, a couple of buttons in the center. So you had the top and bottom. It was, like, showing your stomach and your chest. Um, So agree with you there. My... Fashion fave is Noelle's first day of school outfit because it felt in line with the the rest of the queen bees we've had so far. Let me say that. So just establishing her as the top of the hierarchy. So Noelle wears a pristine white linen blazer and a black t-shirt on her first day of school. She's tall. She's tall, taller than five, nine um, and in flat shoes. So I just said that the blazer, again, with like the preppy blazer thing, that was Massey's thing. Blair's known for the preppy outfits. It just feels like it's in line with, like you know, brunette that's in charge, very preppy. Um, and it kind of, I felt like to me that like blazer adds the authority, which lets you know that she's in charge. So that was my favorite fashion fave from this book. There was a, there was a makeover scene because, of course, there always is. But it felt kind of underwhelming because it lacked the brand recognition that we're used to in our books. Um, there definitely wasn't as much brand calling out as we are used to talking about. But it's totally fine. Um, I, I mean, I'm excited to see what goes what continues forward with this. Uh, I'm very inter- interested to see if we can back up your claim of Reed being gay anymore because I think that'd be fun. Uh, but I guess. Well, they before... even accuse her of being a lesbian for staring at her. Yes, them, they so. do. But that was like back in the day when you'd be like, oh, you're gay. Like people would just use that. And it's like, then there's the Hillary Duff commercial of like, hey guys, that's not an insult. You wouldn't Don't call, call someone ugly blonde girl with a stupid shirt. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, absolutely, but I would Hillary Duff. I, if it's you. Uh, I love Hillary Peter. Duff. Are you kidding me? No, I do too. I do too. I do too. There's a soft spot. But um, it is, as always, my question to ask you, Courtney. What's your state of the union? What's in and out for this season? Season four. Uh, my in for this week is TikTok. Loving it right Courtney now. posted a very cute one. And also she's been posting, if you don't follow her on TikTok, I think, is it still Courtney or else? Or did you change it to Courtney Zelazny? I changed it to Courtney Zelazny. Courtney or else was uh, funny when I was just sending you TikToks. You should follow Courtney on TikTok on her own because she's been posting tidbits from her stand-up series and they're all very funny and there are people who just don't laugh at the right jokes and it makes me very mad because I think Courtney's jokes are very funny and people don't get them and it annoys me. (laughs) I agree that I'm very funny and more people should laugh at my jokes so follow me on TikTok if you want. So that's my in. I've been liking it but I need to take the um I need to take the screen time limits of TikTok off my phone because every time I hit (laughs) Give me 15 more minutes. I'm like, that is not. It feels like a snooze button and I'm the one in charge of the snooze. And I feel like. Oh, yeah. Mine is too. What's what's your limit set for? 
I think it's like one hour. So is mine. And I'm every day I'm just like more, more, more. Because I tell myself in the mornings that I'm going to get off TikTok and like exercise before work. And I don't. Mm. So that's mm. it. Uh, and then my out is people who don't respect your time. That's not a dig at me for not respecting my own time with the TikTok screen. No, it's a dig at me. It's a dig at Claire. Myself, so <laughs> I like no, I I'm kidding. For myself, that maybe it is a, a dig at me for not respecting my own screen time limits. Courtney, be better. Well, I think it's also a dig at me. I apologize uh, for pushing this back so many times. I've been bad at time management recently, um, but we're going to get it in on time. Apparently and so am I. Yay. <laughs> but um, that's great to hear, Courtney. Um, I have missed this, but I also had a little bit of uh, holdover from getting to hear all of your funny jokes on TikTok. So that's been great. Important. Um, and yourself, Claire, very what important. is your State of the Union? So my State of the Union, my in for this week is going to be um, taking care of yourself, I would say. Uh, and that just means like, so I've been struggling a little bit with like my time management, but also in terms of like prioritizing my daily routine. And it's been messing me up to the point where I've been struggling with some uh, maladaptive eating behaviors late at night that I thought I had gotten rid of. So I'm in the process of just kind of reestablishing that groundwork for myself so that I don't slip back into some like negative behaviors and it's really tough um and it's been made tougher by some like you know extra factors like um the last couple nights our neighbor upstairs has been having like late night parties or like so like they had a party until like 3 a.m on saturday night and then and i was already not feeling good and then they had a party like people over last night and then decided to move their furniture at like 11 30 p.m and so that's been messing with my sleep schedule, which then, you know, in the middle of the night, I'm like, well, I guess I'll eat something, which is not what you want to do, Claire. But um, so in, you know, taking care of myself, making sure that I'm prioritizing my health, even if that means popping extra sleep meds so that I sleep, uh, that is taking care of yourself. I guess my out for this week would be my upstairs neighbor who is really <laughs> cramping my vibe. Also, a person um, who's not respecting your time because who moves furniture after 11? That's insane. Exactly. Well, like what on a on a Sunday night? What is wrong with you Nothing. in a, an old old building? But um, you know, hey, whatever works for them, we'll figure it out. You guys can hear if it's figured out next week when we read the second book in the private series, which invitation is invitation only. Invitation only. You're invited. Uh, so, yeah, you guys have an invitation. Um, so join us next week as we cover the second book in the private series, Invitation Only. Um, Courtney, where can they find us n from now until then? In between those times, you can find us on Twitter at WittyPod, Instagram at WittyCommitteePod, TikTok at The Witty Committee, our website, thewittycommittee.com, especially good for show notes in case you want to read those. Or you can contact us via email at WittyCommitteePod at gmail.com. Let us know if you want an invitation to next week's episode. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. It's always incredibly helpful to us. Um, but we do hope you join us next week. We extend the invitation for you to join us as we continue to judge the mean girl right back, one book at a time.